I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome, my guest, Ashley Dossier. Ashley is a Florida entrepreneur with a love for travel. In 2016, she departed an abusive relationship and set out on a fourth-month solo backpacking trip around the world. While traveling through the Nile in Egypt, she discovered the luxurious world of Egyptian fragrances. Once she was back in the United States, she decided to build her own business, and he called it Anuket Luxury Apothecary. This episode should be on 4D. That way, you could also enjoy the sense of her fragrances. Her episode got me so intrigued that I had to order a sample of the fragrances. My first reaction was, oh no, this is too intense, too strong. Two days later, I was completely hooked. It is a divine fragrance, papyrus oil. The sense is always there. There is so much to learn from Ashley in regards business, traveling, and all about frequencies. I hope you enjoyed her story as much as I did. And who knows, maybe you also get intrigued. Welcome, Ashley, to the show. I am very, very excited that you're here today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here, too. Yes. Ashley, I know you have a story to share. Can you let us know why you want to share a story? Well, I have found, as I've talked to more and more people about what I've been through, that apparently it's kind of a unique story of going from an abusive relationship to finding you know, a way out of that and through travel, finding a new passion, creating a business around a new passion and turning something that was you know, one of the worst times in my life into something that has been such a blessing in my life. Wonderful. I actually learned from a previous guest that that goes PTSD. This is PTG, which is post-traumatic growth. Yes. I would definitely agree because it's something I have suffered from PTSD from my abusive relationship. Unfortunately, it's something that I've definitely, and I definitely still work through, but I would certainly say that there has been a lot of growth since then. Yes. Wonderful. So when does your story start? Well, back in 2016, I would say is when, when this story really begins, because that's when I got out of that abusive relationship. I had been in it for six years. So in 2010 is when I met him. But I really like to say that my story, you know, kind of began when that relationship ended. In that relationship, learning what toxicity is in a relationship and narcissism and learning a lot about mental abuse and emotional abuse. A lot of people say they, they assume that physical abuse is kind of the only form of domestic abuse and forget that there's a lot of things that can go into really kind of that daily idea of making somebody not feel confident in themselves, make them feel isolated, make them feel less than they are. And I was an incredibly confident person going into my relationship, getting out of the relationship when I had to you know, tell friends and family why it ended. I got a lot of oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you because you're such a strong person. And that's something that I like to talk about because it just goes to show that even very strong people can get caught in these types of relationships where they're just kind of slowly withered down. And that's where, you know, thankfully getting out of that relationship, I realized that I needed to do something immediately to gain back my confidence, to 
learned to really trust my intuition again, because I had lost a lot of that, you know, my gut feeling and really the ability to trust that anymore. And so I decided the best way to do that would be to put everything I own in uh, storage, pack up a backpack and go backpacking solo around the world for about four months. So that trip is really you know, what gave me a lot of confidence back, um, made me realize I could stand on my own two feet. Um, I had to learn to trust my instincts all over again, you know, during that travel because I had no itinerary. And I really learned a lot just about culture and other people. And like I said, I got lucky enough to find something along the way that I was really passionate about. And that led me to starting a business that I own now that has created even more growth and blessings in my life, like I said, currently. Wow, that sounds is true. Very interesting and unique story. Although I'm sure there is more people that had the same similarities, just that not everybody's sharing their story. Yes. But actually, what I'm curious about is how is it that, okay, a strong woman goes out with a stronger man and that's how it happens? It, it is. It was kind of a running joke amongst friends that we were both alphas in the relationship. And um that works, you know, for some people. And uh, I, you know, don't have a problem, I would say dating, you know, an alpha like that has never bothered me to date somebody who's equally strong for somebody like him, who, like I said, not a bad man, but not a great partner, you know, to struggle with narcissism in a relationship. Uh, when you have a partner that's as strong as you, you know, that was something that he just didn't enjoy. He didn't appreciate my strength. He didn't appreciate that I had my own opinions. Anytime, you know, I was better at something than he was, he kind of had to knock me down a peg because he just had that idea in his head that he had to be the best at everything and made it really hard to create a partnership around those ideas. And so while I do believe that sometimes strong woman and a strong man or two strong people, you know, two strong women, two strong men can date each other, I think that it really depends on the person and how they use those strengths. And that probably happened in the past a lot. You know, men always had to be the, the smartest. I certainly agree. Um, that is something that, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough right now to have an amazing fiance who loves my strengths and loves, you know, how intelligent I am and driven I am and, and everything and, and sees those as strengths for himself too, you know, that, that we are a team. And so that only makes him better. And he has his strengths that, that really help me, you know, in so many ways as well. And so we use each other in that sense of being a partnership. Um, it's certainly something that, you know, in the past, men tended to be the leaders of relationships and the women, you know, were not allowed to be equal partners. You will still find some of those partners that that still believe that that's not how your beliefs are as well. That's really where the friction starts. Interesting. Interesting. So tell me about that trip. So you took off, you had a destination. I um, had a few destinations in mind. I, you know, knew some places that I wanted to go because I have always loved to travel and I traveled a lot before that. But there are many places like Australia and Egypt and Paris and just certain places that I knew that I wanted to go to. But I didn't set an itinerary because I really wanted the freedom of, you know, if I went to one city and found that I wanted to go, you know, to a different city next. Um, I really wanted that freedom. I didn't want to book everything in advance and be tied to a very specific uh, schedule. And so while, yes, I had some destinations in mind, um, it certainly was kind of a spontaneous trip. I started in California. I was living in Atlanta at the time because I had previously worked at the CDC in Atlanta. And so, like I said, put everything in storage. I gave him 
our home and our business because I just kind of wanted out in a way. And I took off to California and I stayed there for a few weeks uh, while I figured out my next moves and saved up my money, you know, figured out uh, financially how I was going to do this and everything. And and then as soon as I was able to, I booked a flight to Australia and I started there and spent a few weeks in Australia, which I still say is one of my favorite countries in the world. Amazing people, uh, amazing lifestyle that they have there, very um, laid back, but kind. And I say they kind of have it have it a little more figured out than us Americans who are very go, 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 keeping up with the Joneses. I really appreciated Australia. And it was definitely a, a good first stop for my trip. And then? Um, and then, and then I just started bouncing around. Like I said, asked people where I should go next. Next on my trip was uh, New Zealand. And New Zealand was stunning. And I am dying to go back because I didn't spend nearly enough time there. Because it, although it was our summer in the Northern Hemisphere, it was their winter in New Zealand and it was very cold. And so I uh, did not pack appropriately for that because I was only in one backpack. Spent a long weekend, I think four or five days there and then uh, decided that I would head towards Egypt because that was somewhere that I'd always wanted to go. But I wanted to find a pit stop on the way. And so I stopped in Singapore. Singapore is one of the most beautiful, large cities that I've ever been in. For being such a large, bustling city, it is incredibly clean, incredibly green, and just a really cool clash of a lot of cultures. Then I hopped over to Egypt. Egypt was by far the most interesting country that I have ever visited. The culture, the history, the people, it's just incredible. I did the typical have to ride the camels by the Great Pyramids of Giza. And while I was there, I had numerous people asking if I was taking a cruise down the Nile River. And that's when I said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely put it, you know, on my itinerary. I don't have any plans. Sure, why not? And so I booked a flight to uh, one of the ports and got on a, a cool little river cruise boat and spent a week cruising down the Nile River and stopping in different ports to be able to see the Valley of the Kings where, you know, all of the, the pharaohs and kings were buried and to be able to see a lot of the tombs and a lot of the temples, just absolutely incredible architecture and, and history there. And that's really where my heart opened up to this different culture and the history that they have accumulated that no other country can stand up against. I mean, just the coolest. The way that they built things back then, the way that they used everything that was around them, you know, for being such an ancient civilization, they were very modern with with the things that they used and and built. And while I was there, my guide for the day asked if I wanted to stop in a perfumery on the way you know, back to the cruise ship. And, and I kind of at first I was like, Oh, I don't do well with fragrances, which I know sounds crazy, you know, once you hear the rest of the story. But I also knew that Egyptians basically created fragrance, they were the ones who started using essential oils, Cleopatra used all kinds of oils for her beauty routine, and for fragrance, and they used a lot of it as an aphrodisiac to, you know, attract partners. And so I thought, you know, this is something that I'm not going to be able to do again. Like while I'm here, I need to do everything I can. And so I said, sure, let's go to that perfumery. And I was so pleasantly surprised to walk in and find that it was all pure essential oils. They were pure oils. So um, those oils are so much less likely to cause headaches or allergies or skin reactions or things compared to traditional, you know, what we think of as perfumes and colognes that have alcohol and, and other additives and everything. And so I was pleasantly surprised that I could enjoy these oils and that they smelled beautiful. And they brought out 
all kinds of great, you know, eucalyptus oil and lavender oil and these these beautiful oils. But I remember asking, I can get all of these at home. <laughs> I mean, they're stunning, but you know, I, I can get this stuff at home. Is there anything that you have that is just very unique to Egypt? You know, something that that has a little bit more history here and that, you know, I may not be able to find at home. And they brought out uh, a few different options, but one of them caught my nose, I will say, and my heart the most. And that was papyrus oil. Uh, the first time I smelled it, it hit me like a ton of bricks of just this. What is this scent? How does something that everyone just thought of as kind of a weed that grew along the Nile River, how does it smell so beautiful? It was used for paper and boats and shoes and all of these things that the Egyptians used it for. But the oil, we never really talked much about the scent and the oil that came from it. And I ended up buying a ton of that oil and actually just mailing it home to myself to be able to enjoy when I got home because I was in a backpack and I couldn't carry around, you know, big bottles of oil with me. I continued on my trip for a a couple more months and all over Europe. That was like the, the last part of my trip was you know, pretty much everywhere in Europe. So many fun stories and experiences there as well. And actually going back to that that tour on the Nile, was it a tourist or were you with locals as well? So for that part of the trip, I was basically a tourist. It was a touristy type of trip. I joke that there weren't a lot of tourists at the time in Egypt. I was one of only two blondes that I saw the entire time I was in the country. That made me stand out a lot too. A lot of the Egyptians would walk up to me and ask me where I was from and what I was doing there. And it was great. It was awesome to be able to tell my story and tell them that I was just visiting and you know wanted to learn more about their culture and everything. But it definitely made me stand out a little bit as a tourist. There not being a lot of people around, it meant that there were times that I would go into some of these temples and tombs, and I was the only person in there. It was really cool to be able to slowly walk around and take all of that in. Compared to when I was in Cairo, I, I did get to experience a little bit more the local culture. I had a friend who introduced me to her cousins who still lived in Egypt. She's Egyptian, and, and I knew her from Atlanta, but she still had family in Egypt, and she was kind enough to introduce me to her family, and they were such gracious hosts. One night they invited me over to their home to have dinner with their family. They went with me to the Egyptian museum and brought along their favorite Egyptologist to be able to teach me all about, you know, everything while I was there. And so I really got, you know, the full experience of learning from locals and going to some of their favorite local, you know, restaurants and places and, but also being able to, you know, make sure that I saw all of those kind of quote unquote tourist destinations that, you really do have to see while you're in Egypt. Mm. And those oils, so see if I understand, they get perfumes, so they get eucalyptus and then they make, like they press it hard enough that they make oil out of it. So yeah, they do um, cold pressed oils. So yes, they take the flowers of the plant or the reeds of the plant. You know, there's different ways um, to do it for each, you know, different plant. But yes, they press the oils out of the plant and and those oils are all natural essential oils that can be used for a ton of different things. And, and the fact that they use them for so long as just fragrance thing that the U.S. hasn't caught on to quite as much. Um, we use different essential oils for different reasons, but the Egyptians were really the ones that created this idea of using them just kind of for their beautiful fragrance. But everything you press has an oil. I will say that maybe it's a liquid, right? More than oil. 
Yeah, not everything you prep, not everything. Um, but yes, there are. And this is where, you know, I still import our oils from Egypt. They do the the quote unquote dirty work of actually, you know, taking the papyrus and we have some others as well, like Blue Lotus and Saqqara and the Egyptian Rose. Um, they actually take those plants and they do that cold press process. And there is a way to do it that really maintains the fragrance and, and is much healthier for the plant versus a lot of times whenever you use heat to press some of these out, you actually damage the oils themselves. And so you don't get that same beautiful fragrance that you would if you you know, know this ancient process of, of pressing the, the flowers and the plants so that you get the beautiful scent that comes out of Did it. Did you go to see these as well, how they press the flowers? I did because I was able to visit the perfumery. I did get to see a little bit um, of it and I actually have plans to go back. I wanted to go back sooner, but COVID obviously put a, a wrench in that plan. But I do have plans to go back and visit the perfumery again because we do still continue to work with the same perfumery now that I visited while I was there. But for now, I just continue to import their beautiful fragrances and then we hand bottle them here in Tampa Bay in Florida. Okay, let's go back. But so, okay, so you went to Cairo, you've see, you saw all this family and then you continued traveling through Europe? That's right. I continued traveling through Europe. Oh gosh, went to so many places, you know, Greece and Italy and Switzerland and Germany and Netherlands and France and, you know, just had an amazing time, you know, traveling and seeing the, the rest of the continent that I hadn't been to before. I had previously lived for a summer in Spain with my sister, but didn't have a chance to really travel, you know, all over. And so really appreciated the chance to do that, meet so many more people. But when I got back home, that's when I had that papyrus oil again, back at home now, living back in the States, I moved back to Florida, which was where I was originally from. So out of Atlanta and back to Florida. And everywhere I went, I was asked what I was wearing, the heck that scent was, because it was amazing. It was very kind of um, intoxicating and alluring. And people would just kind of stop me, random people, and say, what are you wearing? That's really unique. And I finally realized I need to look into this and see if there's how I can get more of it, because I'm going to run out sooner or later. And the more research I did, the more I realized that papyrus oil, pure papyrus oil, just was not readily available in the US or really anywhere online. That's when, you know, I had kind of that light bulb moment and realized, wait a second, there may be something here. <laughs> what kind of plant is this? So the papyrus is just a kind of a reed plant. It looks kind of like similar to a palm frond or it grows all along the Nile River and it's almost there, almost like a weed. I mean, it grows very, very similar to bamboo in the fact that it goes very, very quickly. It's very renewable, which is why the Egyptians used it so often, because you could cut it back. It would continue to grow, you know, um, more than they wanted and needed. And they realized, you know, we need, we need to keep using this stuff because they have such an abundance of it. It's a, a very kind of simple plant in the way that it looks. The ways that they used it, though, were uh, so bountiful that papyrus, most people know as paper, because they did take the reeds and kind of weave them together and stamp them out and use that as paper. And so that that was their form of paper for thousands of years. But a lot of people don't realize that they used it for other things, too, so, uh, to make boats, to make shoes, to make clothing. I mean, they really found ways to make everything they could out of this. But when they realized that there were beautiful oils that came out of it as well, there is is, you know, some history that shows that Cleopatra may have used this in her beauty routine, kind of as a way to allure lovers, um, as we all know she did, you know, and that's one of the, the ways that she was able to be such a successful ruler. 
such an interesting kind of simple plant, but the ways that it was used and how how much it provided to the Egyptians was just incredible. What an interesting plant. Thank you for explaining that. And so you came back and everybody was enchanted about your fragrance. And you also were an entrepreneur before. To an extent, yes. I um, had kind of a, a franchise, I call it, with a company where I was selling their products. And then my ex and I had started the company together. I wasn't passionate about what I did. It was in the pharmaceutical and medical sales industry. And, and so once I kind of realized, wait, you know, there might be something here with this. I'd always loved the fashion and beauty industries. To think that, you know, this could be something that I could introduce people to was just a really neat idea. The fact that it wasn't really available in the US and I had this connection, you know, back to um, the perfumery that I had founded in in Egypt, you know, I thought I need to get back in touch with them and just see if this is even something that's that's possible for me to you know, begin to import it, begin to pull it in and then sell it however I can, which started, you know, just on social media to friends and such who had been asking me about it. I, I kind of saw that as an opportunity for me to start something new, you know, and really, like we said, with the growth after getting out of a traumatic relationship, really trying to find something that you can make your own and, you know, can really blossom in um, was something that I, I was really excited about. So this idea that I had a potential product that people would love and that I could build an entire brand around was something that really gave me gave me hope for kind of a different future. Very exciting. And what is the name of the business? When I first created it, I, it's funny, I didn't even have a name. I literally just was like, I'm selling papyrus oil and here here's papyrus oil. And that's kind of all I, all I did and talked about. But eventually, a few months in, I realized, okay, this is this is getting a lot of traction. This is going somewhere. I need to actually make a real business out of this. And I searched really long and hard for a name that I thought would give the credit back to the Egyptians in the way that they deserved, but also be something that you know would be kind of memorable and unique. And so I finally landed on Anakit. Uh, our company is Anakit Luxury Apothecary. And Anakit is the Egyptian goddess of the Nile River. And so for me, that was the best way to be able to say, okay, this papyrus is coming from the Nile River in Egypt. They believed that Anakit was the goddess that gave them abundance from the Nile River. And I saw this as an opportunity for kind of a new type of abundance in my life and a new sense of purpose. Anakit was born as that exciting idea of something new that would continue to grow and flourish in the same way that things around the Nile River did. Wonderful. That is a beautiful name. I love it. Thank you. Any other thing that you are the most proud of? I would have to say our branding. That was something that I didn't even know I had in me, you know, to do. It was something that once I started to do a little bit of research, I realized that I really wanted to kind of bootstrap my own business. I wanted this to be something that I did on my own because I had had help with different things in the past, different journeys, you know, like my the the skincare franchise that I had worked with and the business that I had with my ex. It, this was something that I really wanted to be mine. And so I decided I didn't want to take on any partners or investors or anything like that. I wanted it to be something that I really created myself. And I started to look up how to build a brand and a small business. And I created, like I said, our name, I created our logo, all of our branding from not just the colors of the company, but to the brand voice and the 
the textures that we would use and the labels we would design. And I really created everything myself. My background is in public health. It is in absolutely nothing related to business or marketing, but I found that I just kind of had a natural knack for it and that I really enjoyed it. Now, anytime we get compliments on just the brand and how strong our branding is and how beautiful our our merchandising is and our product is, that's something that I can really take that compliment to heart because it's something that I know I did myself and put a lot of effort into. Yes, and that's true. It is all beautiful. Thank you. What was the most challenging thing to do? Again, bootstrapping my own business. Um, It's something that you realize, okay, I can do this. I can wear a lot of hats, but you're doing it all on your own. You wear every hat in the beginning. You have a lot to learn if you've never owned a business before. And I had to learn everything myself. I was very self-taught, went online to YouTube and, and master classes, and really started to learn what I needed to do to make this not just a hobby, but to truly make a business out of it. I always looked up to Sarah Blakely, who's the owner of Spanx. One day, I'm, I'm you know, hoping that she will hear me talking about her because I talk about her all the time. Um, because I, she truly is an, an inspiration for women because she started with a backpack and she went around with this product that she believed in. And she was one of the first self-made female billionaires because she found something that she made herself and believed in, began to sell this product that she knew people would appreciate and they needed. That was really cool to me to think, okay, she did this herself. She really started this business on her own. I can do this too. I was lucky enough that I soon after I started my business, met my now fiance, who I mentioned is incredibly supportive and kind, really helped me along the way with my business because he was a business owner as well. And so I got a lot of advice from him, little tidbits here and there of of how to grow my business and kind of just next steps and what to do. But again, when you're the only person in charge of this business and in charge of you know the health of it and it's it's pass or fail, you know, it's the kind of thing that you've got to keep it afloat yourself. That gets really, really hard when you are trying to pay for everything yourself, take the money that you get from the business, invest it back into the business. I started this entire thing with $500. I'm proud of that, but it was also very, very difficult to do, required eating a lot of ramen sometimes, you know, and cheap meals and and not being able to, you know, go out and travel for a little while, but it's been worth it. And that's the one thing that I say that, yes, the the difficulties, they are going to be there if you want to start your own business. But if it's something that you are passionate about, if it's something that you really want, then it's worth it to be able to work through that. But you have to really want it. It sounds so inspiring. Yes. And when you came back to Florida, how do you support yourself? Did you get a job while you were having this idea? So I was lucky enough that I still owned that skincare business. And so I was still getting residual income from that. I still had a lot of customers that were continuing to order from me. That helped to keep me afloat while I started the business. And then I did end up getting a part-time job, partly just because my best friend at the time who didn't live in Florida, and I called and bugged her all the time. And she said, she was like, if you don't go get a part-time job, I'm going to come down there and hurt you because 
She's like, you need something to go be in front of people and talk to people. And and I was like, you're right. I'm a social person. So I did get a part-time job that the pay wasn't great. It wasn't all about the pay. It was also about my mental health and just being around other people. Because when you work for yourself and you're building your own business, it can be very, very lonely. Like I said, lucky enough to have some residual income still coming in from that previous business. But yes, also taking what I could out of the business to pay myself early on and then a part-time job that that helped to bring in a little bit of extra cash too. Great. Thank you for sharing that too. When you arrived in Florida, you didn't really know that this was going to be what you were going to do. Were you already strong? Like you came back from the trip feeling, okay, this is Ashley again, or it took a time? It still took a little bit of time. I came back definitely stronger. I mean, I say that that, that trip saved my life. That trip healed me in so many ways, but I did still have some healing left to do because the trip let me kind of escape for a little while, but that meant that I still had to face some things once I got back. I did live by myself. I found an adorable little sort of a studio style apartment in a beautiful area in St. Petersburg in in downtown St. Pete. I loved where I was living. I was close to the water again, which is another thing for me that's incredibly healing is to be near the bay or the ocean. That was really helpful. I had my dogs that helped me through a lot of things. I always joke that they were my my children. You know, they were my my family. And so I had them with me as well. That allowed me, you know, the opportunity living alone, again, gaining that confidence back, you know, so that, I, that I could live on my own, having my dogs with me, having the water nearby, being able to walk down to the bay with my dogs and sit there and really reflect on things. Of course, therapy was a part of, of that journey as well. I did therapy and still am in therapy, you know, years later for PTSD and anxiety, went through some some depression during that time as well. But, you know, really realized that that working through that and having this new passion that I found within a few, six months of moving back into Florida with Anakit was something that it gave me purpose. And it, it really gave me a reason to continue to grow and, and try new things and meet new people and, and network and start to really spread my business that way as well. So Anakit was uh, helping more than putting a bandage into your feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. Realizing that found something that I was is passionate about. And it's like I said it before, when I said that couldn't even enjoy fragrances when I was younger because I suffer from severe migraines. And so I was never really able to to enjoy them. And so to find something that I could enjoy and that I really loved, it was really cool. And, and to think, okay, I can find other people. I know there's a lot of other people out there that can't enjoy fragrances for the same reasons that I have, or maybe that traveled to the Middle East and have smelled papyrus oil before, but then got home and wasn't able to get any more. And I still have customers all the time reach out and say, thank you for offering this because, you know, for those exact reasons, they, they found me and have been able to continue to purchase Egyptian fragrances that they couldn't. Having all of these things that were just new and exciting, the healing process, it, it really, really helped to, to see that I was able to build something myself and um, gain that confidence back and my and follow my intuition again, you know, saying, okay, this is a good idea. This is something that people are asking for and just kind of continue to follow what I think is best for this business and, and obviously listen to advice from others, but really trust my instincts. Trust your instincts. Very wise. And Ashley, I have to ask you, do you feel responsible for what happened with your ex? Uh, it, it took me a long time to come to terms that 
It was not my fault. That is something that was probably the hardest part was thinking, you know, a lot of people who are victims of anything believe that for whatever reason, it was their fault, that they put themselves in that situation, that they should have seen the red flags, that they put themselves in danger. I I try not to ever say I'm a victim of abuse. I am a survivor of, you know, emotional abuse. And I am not just surviving now, I'm thriving because I've realized that it wasn't my fault, that no matter what I did, you know, the person that I was, just who I am, he was going to treat that way because he needed a partner that was much more meek, you know, less opinionated, just not as strong. He, you know, he needed somebody that wasn't going to push back, you know, stand up to him, which I did. That's what continued to cause even more of the abuse and the, the issues um, was the fact that I would stand up for myself. So while I do say I was in the relationship for far longer than I should have been, you know, I try not to blame myself for that. I'm a big believer that we learn lessons and that those help us in the future, not to look at it as a regret, but to see it as something that, okay, now I know what a healthy relationship looks like. I know what it means to be a good partner. I asked my current fiance, whenever we started dating, I told him that I would never get married without first going to couples therapy with my partner because I wanted to make sure that we understood how to communicate with each other, that we, that we never put ourselves back into that position that I was in previously, where you say things you don't mean, where Rather than talking through issues and learning proper communication with your partner, you let tempers flare and use very kind of immature ways to try and solve problems. I'm very thankful that he was open and understanding and willing to go through that kind of therapy with me, which we we have done. It helped tremendously because nobody teaches us how to communicate. Nobody teaches us interpersonal skills and communication skills and all of these things that are just really important for relationships, whether it be a romantic relationship or business relationship, a friendship. These are things that we need to know how to do. And so I think it makes all of us healthier and happier if we can learn these skills. Knowing that I'm not the one that caused that abuse you know, I could learn ways to to help others get out of those relationships because it's hard and it's scary. And that I could help others learn to communicate better. I should have been able to tell my friends and family, I should have been able to be more honest with them about what was happening in my relationship. If you're hiding a lot of things going on in your relationship, then something's wrong with that. That's something that you should be able to admit to yourself. Okay, if I'm not able to talk about what's happening inside of my relationship, and that doesn't mean that there aren't sacred parts of a relationship that are just between you and your partner. But if you're hiding things about the way they talk to you, the names that they call you, things that they say to you, if you have to hide that from friends and family, then something might be wrong. Yeah, And that's the part where I do blame myself slightly for not speaking up and mentioning it to other people, because I I think I could have gotten out of the relationship sooner. But I look back and remind myself that the position that I was put in, I was things that I was told about myself continued to to make me believe that I couldn't do those things at the time. And as you say, communication is so important and we really never told how to do it. I mean, we start with our parents, no, they they kind of teach us how to behave. Absolutely. I understand you very well. I did have a relationship too that was very similar to yours. And I always keep thinking, how long was it with that person? And I'm thinking, you know, I have to count because maybe I can take one month off because... 
<laughs> I am so embarrassed that I lasted so long. You didn't really know any better. And to me as well, I have learned what not to want. Yes, but that's important too, because you learn to appreciate the things that you do want when you get them. That's something that I'm now able to say, look, this is something that I will never accept in a relationship again, because I've already been through it. And I know what it looks like. And the fact that you don't do that, and you do all these other beautiful things for me, make me trust you and make me feel safe with you. So you can really appreciate it even more. And not that I think that People should have to go through, you know, an abusive relationship to learn those lessons. I think that it breaks my heart how many people reached out to me once I was honest about the relationship and about what happened and said to me, I went through something similar. You know, I've, I've been there too. I've had that happen to me as well, both men and women. It's heartbreaking to hear how often that happens and how much we don't speak about it. Mm -hmm. And I understand why, because I was definitely kind of pushed away from a lot of my friends once I started speaking up about it because any mutual friends we had felt as though I was bashing him. And I kept saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash him. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to do what I need to do and talk about it the way that I need to and be honest about it. I shouldn't have to lie to cover up the things that he did. And that doesn't mean that I was perfect in the relationship. I never claimed to be perfect in the relationship, but I certainly didn't do that constant manipulative mental and emotional abuse really changes the way somebody thinks. And that's something that we are not vocal enough about. People don't speak up about because they're scared of harming their you know, past partner, the abusive partner. That's That's hard. That's sad to me. But the more people reached out to me and said, thank you for being honest. Thank you for speaking up about it. I've been through it too. And it can feel very lonely. You know, the more I thought I have to keep talking about this, I'm not trying to bash him. I'm trying to help myself heal. And I'm trying to help others realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it can be a beautiful place. Yes, no, it's true. And being at the podcast and listening to so many stories, I'm also very surprised that so many people have gone through similar things one way or another. I don't know if it helps me because it's still my issue in a way to forgive myself more than anything, because I feel like how could I have done this? It is interesting to see. Yes, yes, it's, it's a common thing that people fight for for power. Yeah, it is. And it's sad. And, and there are still times when I regress. And I say, like, like you just said, you know, you blame yourself a little bit. And you kind of why did I stay in it for so long? And you know, did I waste time? But I look at that now. And I say, okay, the, the timeline was, I believe a lot in kind of serendipity and things just happen the way they should. And the timeline, you know, led me to the trip that I took around the world. And I wouldn't change that part of it for anything. And that trip around the world led me to these products that I was then able to build a, a company around. My company has brought me so much pride and, and joy and is the reason that I met my now fiance because, you know, he reached out asking me about my products to carry in his store. And so it started as a, a business meeting that turned into a beautiful relationship. I look at it now and say, okay, I should not have been in that relationship for as long as I was. I shouldn't have put up with as much as I did, but I am where I am today because of it. And I have to accept that that was just part of my story. Exactly. Part of our story. That's true. And as you, I got to travel to different places and also met uh, my wonderful husband nowadays, yeah. which is completely opposite and very understanding and yeah. a good friend. So it is perfect. Yes, that's what happens. Yeah. And now when you go out and people get to enjoy your fragrance, what do they say? Oh gosh, that's like the fun part now is anytime I do, I'm still wearing it and people 
smell me. And I know that sounds crazy, but they ask, you know, what are you wearing? And, or if I'm out with my company, still do pop-up markets or fundraisers. Anytime somebody smells papyrus oil for the first time, like I love being there when they do, because it's just such a cool reaction of, whoa, like whoever knew that the stuff that they made paper out of could smell this stunning and have such a kind of a gut reaction. Like people really say that it's more than just, oh, this smells good, but it really touches them. It was used as an aphrodisiac. And so I also warn our customers that it is a strong aphrodisiac. Yes. Very universally appealing. So it it can really kind of entice people, but you, you feel that whenever you smell it. I mean, you definitely feel that it, it has a, a very sensual mood to it. And that's why all of our branding has that little bit of sensuality. You know, it's just a little sexy because the papyrus oil is sexy too. That sounds really exotic. The thing is that sometimes you wear a perfume or a scents and according to your body, it changes the smell. Is this fragrant different? Yeah. And what we've found with papyrus is that it's just kind of one of those, have you ever heard of like the lipsticks that, you know, you put on and it changes color to like you know, it works with your body's chemistry to change color. And it just kind of happens to be the perfect color on everybody. I swear that papyrus is this same way. I've seen before that are like lipsticks or or different colors that they look different in the lipstick tube. But when you put it on, it just kind of somehow looks good on everybody because it kind of interacts with their chemistry, their body temperature, and it looks good on everybody. Well, papyrus has this same interesting quality that because it kind of has those pheromones in it, it, it reacts a little bit differently when mixed with somebody's chemistry, but it still smells incredible on them because it really just kind of enhances their own scent as well. So it's interesting because I've taken it to a girls night before where everybody put it on and we went around the room and smelled everybody's wrists and everyone's like, it smells so different on everybody, but yet it smelled good on everybody because somehow it just works with, this is why I say all the time, it's so universally appealing It just works with everybody. And I will admit that not all fragrances do that. Some of our other scents don't smell as good on everybody. They're they're beautiful scents, but they may not work as well with somebody's body chemistry. But for some reason, the papyrus just seems to do that and really seems to be this kind of crazy, what was that movie, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, where they all put the pants on and they somehow magically fit every one of the girls, even though they were all different sizes. It just kind of happens to be a one size fits all type of scent. So Annika had the papyrus scents first, and then you have evolved to have more? Oh yeah, we grown immensely in only three years. So we started out with just that one product, just the pure papyrus oil. We still have that product as our signature scent, but we added five other fragrances as well. So we have six fragrances total now. And then we started expanding into self-care products that were infused with papyrus oil and some of our other scents. My customers continue to ask for new ways to use their papyrus oil or wear their papyrus oil. And so we continue to put it into different types of self-care and body products as well as expand to things like fragrance diffusing jewelry. So we actually make jewelry now that you can put a few drops of your fragrance oil onto the porous stones on the jewelry, and it will hold on to that fragrance. And so you lasts even longer, even though our products are pure oils, and they last a really long time on the skin, a lot longer than kind of your traditional perfume or cologne that has alcohol in it, you know, you're going to get eight to 12 hours of of wear with our fragrance oils. But on 
these stones, you can get even even longer wear because they stay on those porous stones that are on our jewelry. So we create demi-fine jewelry that has these stones on it. You can put whichever fragrance you want onto the jewelry and wear your fragrance that way as well. Wow, how interesting. How, how did you discover this? I had heard of aromatherapy jewelry before, but everything that I'd always found was very, was made of leather or very hard stones that just didn't look luxury, didn't look like fine jewelry. I wanted something that would go along with where jewelry is going. And so I wanted jewelry that was using real gold. And so all of our jewelry is 12 to 14 karat gold filled, demi fine, very high quality jewelry. It's not going to tarnish. It's not going to change colors like a lot of aromatherapy jewelry out there does because it's typically made with you know brass or plated metals. And I just wanted to really elevate that idea of aromatherapy or fragrance on your jewelry. And so we started creating lines of jewelry that accomplished that and that are beautiful and can be worn with a ball gown, you know, or can be worn with jeans and a t-shirt if you just want to pump up the look a little bit. Wow. I, I can only imagine the excitement every time you come up with such an interesting idea, very unique as well. Like I said, this is something that I, fashion and beauty was something that I loved anyway. And so being able to find a way to kind of pull a little bit of that fashion into the fragrance world was really fun for me. Yes. Wow. Um, sounds amazing. I have to try it now. Uh, yes. How does the people find you? We are online as anakitluxury.com and anakit is spelled A-N-U-K-E-T. Anakitluxury.com is our website. You can purchase things there. We also are on all the social medias as at Anakit Luxury. If you can remember Anakit Luxury, you can find us anywhere online or just look up papyrus oil. You'll definitely find us. And do you ship everywhere in the world? We ship everywhere in the world that we can. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something that we currently have customers in, I think, 45 states in the US and 13 countries around the world. We have grown quickly and are really excited anytime we have a new area that finds us and, and that we can continue to kind of spread this idea of pyrus oil and Egyptian fragrances really being as just luxurious and exotic as they are. How do you bring the oil from Egypt to Florida? We bottle here in Tampa Bay, and so we have the oil shipped to us from Egypt. We are still working with that same small perfumery. They are still shipping our oil oils in like large, we buy gallons and liters at a time of our oils. And I laugh because the return location, return address on our shipments still says remote location Egypt because it, it's truly that Egypt just doesn't have the same or shipping and finance and all these systems that we have set up in other parts of the world, you know, hard setting up this system with them to be able to pay them for the oils and get it shipped properly and everything. But it has and we've set up that relationship and we're lucky to be able to continue to get our oils from them, you know, directly from the source. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I have to go and visit that place and we will put the in the show notes all the your information so that people can reach out and get the papyrus awesome. oil. Yes. And please feel free to reach out and ask us questions. Like we love educating people on these oils and, and answering questions and, you know, helping people discover what it is that they might love the most from our products. Wonderful. And any future ideas or anything that you're having with your business? Oh my gosh, we have all kinds of stuff in the works behind the scenes. Yes, I'm working. I love working with small businesses to continue to collaborate and make more products. So we have all kinds of product ideas that again, our, our customers are asking us for. And so we need lotions and body oils and, and candles and linen sprays and all these things that just ways to continue to really enjoy our fragrances. And so also, if you're 
out there and you're a small business owner and you want to collaborate or work together, please reach out to me. I love working with other small businesses. I love supporting each other, you know, finding ways that we, we can collaborate and work together. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley. I am delighted that you told us this story and I'm looking forward definitely to try one of the scents. Oh, thank you so much, Daniela. I really appreciate being on here and talking with you today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it today's episode. I am Daniela, and you were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This would allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto. Thank you.